Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. Uh, it is a cold and rainy October, what the hell day is it? October 11th here in Chicago. Um, it's, like, it's like 46 and rainy outside. I was going to go out and run, get something you know special, a sandwich, or maybe even sneak to the ice cream store, but when I opened the door and, you know, that wet, cold air hit my face, I decided, you know, I could just make some tea and sit down and do my damn show. So uh, that's that's where I am tonight. Tonight's special guest is Dana Morgan. I met her like a year, a little over a year ago. I met her down in Atlanta when I went to my first Dragon Con. I missed her this year, but uh, I'm going to have her give us a brief uh, brief talk about how the, uh, the convention went. And also, you know, she hung with... Uh, Jarvis Sheffield's diversity track and get a little bit about that. And the other thing is, man, don't tell her I said this, but, you know, I think a woman with a sword is hot, um, but don't tell her I said so. Anyway, Dana, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Um, and, and where are you coming to us from? I am coming from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, and you already mentioned that the weather is looking like fall. Meanwhile, up here, it's, it's, uh, it could snow any minute because that's the way Chicago is. Um, I, I'm glad you're here. I want to welcome you. And, uh, you know, when, here's, okay, here's what I think. When I think about cosplay, because I, I only learned about it, let's say, a, few, a handful of years ago, I think in terms of stuff like, you know, people dressing up like, you know, uh, Civil War reenactment or, you know, the, they always want to exploit the silliness or the perceived silliness of cosplay, um, you know, for like uh, Comic-Con or anything like that. And, and it's not, the mentality is not a silliness thing at all. There's there's a lot behind it. I know this is kind of important to you. So, you know, and we, I, we've not had, we had one other cosplayer who I interviewed probably in the last five years, four or five years. But it's something that's, that's always of interest to me because I kind of want to get to know the mindset behind it. And I, and I guess the first thing I want to know is, is this kind of something that, has followed you most of your life? Have you enjoyed dress-up? Do you have that kind of vivid imagination? Um, do you live in these characters and things like that? Could you give me a little idea about, you know, the, the origin of, of the actual act of, you know, dressing as a character, you know, for a convention or for a party or something like that? What was it for you that, that really brought it forward? Uh, well, for me, um, I think for everybody as a kid, you know, dressing up for Halloween, having a chance to kind of be something that you've 
seen on TV or uh, a lot of times you're not even dressing up. You just pretend and pick up a branch and hold up in the air and, you know, you're She-Ra. So I think we all had that start there. Um, But for cosplayers, everybody kind of has their own reason or uh, start to kind of dive into it as an adult. Uh, For myself, I finally dived into cosplay this year. Um, Literally, um, I've been used to being behind the camera, uh, photographing cosplayers and and at cons and things like that. And um, for over the last five years, I've had cosplayers that I photographed was like, oh, you'll be great cos- to cosplay. You should do it. And I'm like, nah, you know, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and then uh, I'm, I'm going to stay behind this camera. And then finally, you know, they kept on me and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll do it this year. And I finally, you know, um, I I tease the cosplayers that really pushed me, like Bar Fox and Dean's List and um, all of, and Larry Love's cosplay and uh, Royal um, cosplay, uh, all of those, mm-hmm. Royalty cosplay, all of them, they really pushed me. And I literally told them that it was like, instead of letting me dip my tone cosplay, they did that um, 300 drop kick me right into the pit of cosplay so (laughs) it was no dipping my toe in and i went ahead and just you know literally had jumped right on into it um as of july and i i for myself i went for the characters that i liked i related to so my first cosplay was of yodoichi from bleach she's this uh dark skin um character with purple hair and you end up learning that she's one of the most powerful uh characters she was actually the one of the first female you know captains for the soul society and you just find out that she's just badass and so of course when i was trying to decide what i was going to do as my first cosplay it was like that's the one <laughs> i want to be i want to cosplay her she's badass she's you know my complexion with this purple hair and these, you know, haze, hazel yellowish color eyes. And she has these amazing, you know, abilities and, you know, and everything. So I, that's what made me decide to finally get into it. And um, and then after that, I just kind of have fun and find characters that are going to be fun to play and, you know, just have fun with and enjoy um, playing those characters and just being in that element. Um, And a little bit of that is also just, you know, also seeing people that recognize it. I mean, when I was playing dressed as Yodoichi, literally the first day I come down and um, it was this little girl, she probably was about two, maybe, maybe three, I mean, maybe she was three or four years old. And she's like, getting so excited and her mom asked if she can come and take a picture and she's just giddy and just jumping and I'm talking with her and I was like you know asked her if she wanted me to pick her up and she you know squats down on the ground like she's about to explode with excitement and then I pick her up and she (laughs) runs to me to pick let me pick her up and she's talking to me and we're her mom is taking pictures and She's just like having, you know, the, you know, just the world of, you know, excitement, and then just seeing how excited what she was to see me dressed as this character. I'm like, 
yeah, this is worth dressing up as his character. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of been, you know, my start into it. Like I, um, like I said, I've only been doing it for about three months, but, you know, a lot of cosplayers, uh, a lot of it is for them as a stress reliever, uh, their way of uh, escaping. Uh, uh, some other cosplayers do it as a way of, um, a form of self-esteem, building their self-esteem, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. building that confidence mm -hmm. in themselves. So um, each cosplayer has their own story, their own reason for cosplaying. And, um, and each of them, uh, each story is amazing. Yeah, I, and and you know what people people take it very serious in in you know they want to they the reality of how they're dressed they you know the costume has to be exactly right and <laughs> and there's a lot of well I mean it's kind of fun you know I yeah I did something I did something stupid but funny stupid at my first convention it was a world con and it was in Kansas City I saw George R R Martin walking down the the hall with uh, a couple people and I I kind of you know went up to him like really excited I said oh my god you have the best George R.R. R. Martin costume of the whole convention you are just <laughs> and they just cracked up you know because because I was acting stupid but you know it was still funny um yeah and and you know like for the Halloween part I get that you know I've, I've dressed as some silly things at Halloween just to be silly, but nowadays I'm a lot more serious about it. Like, I think the thing that I mostly go as is a serial killer because I get to wear my regular clothes because they look like everybody else. <laughs> yes. um, and it is a lot less expensive for me. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but see, I ain't got the sense of a house plant. So, <laughs> anywho. And now the photography part, you and I share that. I used to be pretty big into photography. I, I did industrial photography, you know, did some uh, magazine covers and things like that because back during the film days, the early film days, back when 800 ASA film was new, I specialized in nighttime photography. So oh, I would wow. do time-lapse shots of industrial things or, you know, built buildings or buildings under construction or um, one of mine that got on some sort of trade magazine was I was down in New Orleans and I went over to to the um, the big municipal docks where they, they load and unload coal and I took a time-lapse photograph of the crane and the the the, the um, I forget what kind of what they call that belt. I'll think of the name, name in a little while. Uh, conveyor belt uh, assembly and everything, where they would pull, uh, pour grain into a cargo ship, and okay. there was like just two lights behind it, so you could see the superstructure rule. And they liked it so much, I got paid. Yeah, I think I've got what, paid like eight thousand dollars for that picture for the oh, front wow. of a magazine. Yeah, because nighttime photography was was kind of new back then. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, nowadays with digital photography, so much is a lot easier in, in terms of getting the kind of effect you want wanted. And, but you know, back to you, when did you start? I mean, how long have you been? Because you you know you got gear, <laughs> you got <laughs> and, you, and, and 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 you do you take great shots. I mean. Obviously, you, you spend a lot of time and effort, you know, 
learning your trade and I'm, uh, you know, your craft. I would call it craft. Um, what, you know, wh- when, how long have you been doing it? I guess is what I'm curious I, about. I actually started photography. My grandfather actually got me into it. He was a big time photographer. I, um, our family knows, like he was not known not to have at least two or three cameras around his neck, um, taking pictures. And he actually gave me my first camera. I think I was probably like 10 or 12 years old. He gave me a 110 uh, camera, and um, and basically gave me my first lesson. He just gave me my camera and basically told me, uh, "You photograph the moments." Uh, those moments will become memories for those that are there and become experiences for those that aren't there. So I kind of mm-hmm. always gone by that whole statement. No formal training uh, on it. I've always just shot for moments and it just became um, my my staple after that and um, photograph for family and friends. And then um, then with my job, um, the different companies I've worked for, they'll find out that I take pictures, has me right. about taking pictures at work, and then it becomes I start taking pictures at work and kind of gone from there. And um, but then things have started basically changed after about five years ago. Um, one of my managers gave me a stretch goal and was like, "Your stretch goal is going to be uh, with for your photography." I want you to photograph something outside of your norm. Um, I want you to look at applying t- uh, to photograph a convention. And I was just like, yeah, that's so- <laughs> it's like, yeah, that is not my forte. I've never attended a con. Um, so he was like, well, you know, look into it, check out a con, see what it's about, and then go from there. And um, I went in and did that uh, and registered to be an attendee was taking pictures okay. and then um and they ended up being short staffed at uh this particular con I was at and uh they asked me uh then someone um in Artist Alley ended up telling some of the staff members, hey she's been taking some pictures, some really good pictures. You may want to ask her and so they asked me if I'll be interested in uh photographing for the con and share my pictures and I'm like sure. <laughs> and then after that I just kinda uh, got that experience, and then after uh, doing that, I was like, "All right, I'm a, I'm gonna officially apply for my first con," and and then that's when I applied for MomoCon and mm-hmm. um, submitted my stuff uh, for their consideration, and they accepted me to be part of their staff photography uh, uh, crew and um, photograph for them. And then after that was Anime Week in Atlanta, known as AWA. And then, um, then it kind of grew from there. So from AWA, I photographed with Japan Fest, and uh, and then later on Dragon Con uh, under the diversity and inclusion track, and and it's just kind of uh, grown from there. So uh, yeah, it's just kind of evolved from there. And then as I've been photographing, as she mentioned, it's like uh, you know I've just been honing my craft by learning in these different environments, meeting other photographers and um i uh one in particular um andrew michael phillips um he i end up 
making becoming uh, he ended up becoming my mentor, really showing me, helping me learn more about the technicalities of photography as I'm photographing to get uh, mm -hmm. additional looks that I'm looking for. And I mean, he's highly known for photographing um, some very famous cosplayers like Yaya Han and Cutie uh, Pie Sensei and stuff. So through with them, I've gotten to meet with him and these cons, I've gotten to meet some really awesome cosplayers and photograph them and things like that. So um, I'm still learning my craft and I'm still using uh, through all of it, using what my grandfather has taught me and uh, kind of grown from there. Well, you, you definitely display a love of the game. You know, you, your your work is great. Um, at, oh, that's another question. Do you have do you have like a um, a website where people can take a look at your work? Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I tend to send since most people tend to be on social media, they can definitely right. check out uh, some of my work. It's I have it both on Facebook and. Instagram. Um, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, you can find me under Danique, D-A-N-I-Q-U-E, that's D-A-N-I-Q-U-E, events. Um, you can find my photography under fa um, Facebook and IG uh, on Instagram, and you'll see a lot of the photos I've taken um, for events, uh, cons, even for cosplay, um, especially for the 28 Days of Black Cosplay. I'm one of the photographers that participate and photograph um, for the 28 Days of Black Cosplay, um, which is done with Cosplay Your Way uh, and that we do each year. So um, you'll see a lot of those photos that we do with the themes for uh, each year for that. Uh, you know, uh, um, okay, I, I just put the uh, put uh, Danique events in so people can check that out. Um, oh, I, I, I do have a technical question for you. What what's your what's your primary camera? Your favorite camera that you use? Um, my primary can camera is a Canon 70D. Uh, that is my okay. primary um, that I use, and I have a bunch of different lenses that I tend to use with it, depending on the what I'm photographing. But that's my primary camera. Um, I'm looking probably in the next year or so to add a, um, another camera. I always the next camera I always get is always a step up. So I have that camera and also. Um, a Canon um, Rebel um, SL um, R. Um, I have um, SL, uh, excuse me, S1 uh, camera. Uh, that's my secondary camera, but my primary is that 70D. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of getting a new camera next year because all I, I have a, 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 I still have a Yashica film camera, but it's tough getting film processed and mm -hmm. it's expensive. And yes, the other it is. thing is is that when you go digital, um, if you don't like something, you delete it and make space. I mean, exactly. You can get some you can get some pretty big um, storage for these uh, digital SLRs, DLSRs, DSLR. Sorry, um, and and that appeals to me too. It's not you know a lot of people like digital because they can play around with the photos. They can do you know they can you know, do a lot of editing, they they could Photoshop, they could do stuff there. I um I think that I have the snobbery of a purist only because I have not gone digital yet. 
you know, because you don't, the only way you can do that with film is by scanning in either the negative or the, mm-hmm. the print and then going and doing it. And, and I'm not really interested so much in that. I'm, I think you and I are very similar in that we both like to capture the moment, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it, it is, it, it, it's preserving a memory. I mean, that's yes. what was always for me for years and years and years, preserving a moment which can mm-hmm. either be a memory or it can be it can be evocative of some something you know yes um i liked nighttime photography i introduced it to um my girlfriend in college and she took a photography class and she actually wanted to learn how to shoot at night and her her instructor thought oh you know what are you going to do take a bunch of pictures at bars and, and clubs and stuff like that because she just presented nighttime photography, but he had no idea that she was really going to go artistic. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I think, I think I don't know, maybe I have the snobbery of somebody who has not gone fully digital. And, and I, I, I question that about me because I know that um, I can evolve on something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I we're going with the be. standard DSLRs because it'll still give you that feel. You still have that click that you hear with a standard camera <clears> and sure. that um, the body still feels like what the uh, standard cameras felt like. Um, that's probably why I'm still kind of in that family for my cameras because you still yeah. get that look and feel and then of course, you have the bonus that you can see the picture right then and there to make sure someone isn't making a face or, you know, they got that glare in their face <laughs> and stuff that you need to retake it. Because that was always a disadvantage with film. It's like you didn't find out until after it was developed and then the moment and everything is completely gone and you can't get it back. <clears throat> so right. um, that's the bit, you know, the advantage of it. Um, I do want to try to get eventually as my next camera a mirrorless camera which you don't have that click sound and everything with it which is better for events where you know um, you need minimum noise and things like that and you don't quite get that with a DSLR or a standard um, film camera because you still um, because you have that mirror in there that makes that uh, click yeah, sound. Yeah you have mechanic that, you have mechanical stuff going on. Exactly. So I do want to eventually get that for taking pictures for like, um, you know, orchestra concerts and stuff, which I tend to photograph a lot of times for the symphony orchestras um, located here in Atlanta. But um, Mm -hmm. I would like to do that. So it's not taken away from the experience of the audience members, but I still like that feel that my DSLR gives me that I still got that film feel without the without the film (laughs) well you know your your point is really well taken because uh, you know you can tell immediately if somebody was picking their nose or you know whatever they were doing (laughs) or they were blinking or you know or or you know you didn't have your bounce flash bounce right and they got red eye you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, the the one the the camera i was looking at and i'm going to have to go back into the specs later <clears throat> to find out if it if it's noiseless or not is the the canon 5d mark 4 um mm. it's 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 very expensive you know it's yeah it, it, it's a it beautiful <laughs> is it really i mean it's a beautiful I, camera 
I like it for two reasons. One is, you know, I also am, uh, you know, kind of a, a part-time, but it's a small part-time um, filmmaker, and you know, mm. the Canon can do both. Um, yes. And, but I, I, I want to get a good lens. My favorite lens was, uh, was a, uh, you know, uh, I had a inner. I can't even remember what it is for the Yashica, and I've had this stuff for so long. The other thing that I'm a little worried about is making that transition, you know, having to get new equipment. Um, mm, yes. You, you sound like you, you hit it right on the, on, on the nail in that, you know, you're stepping up every time you get more equip or new equipment. And I see that as positive in two ways. One is obviously you're getting a few more features, but you're, it seems like, you are acquiring and growing into more skillful photography because you do have more options and better control. Do you look mm-hmm. at it that way? Oh, okay. I do. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, photography is funny because, you know, to do it really, really well, you don't necessarily have to have thousands and thousands of dollars of equipment. But That's true. sometimes having very good equipment helps because it reduces it reduces the vagaries it reduces you know the the chances the the mistakes and things like that i you know i had an auto winder on my yashica and sometimes if i didn't let up off that button right away i'd have three consecutive shots of the same damn thing and i was doing it with film and you know you can't really cuss in front of people when you're shooting a wedding and stuff like that and go yes you know yeah, no, I just wanted to do that because, you know, uh, I wanted to see which of the three will look best. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. play it off. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, as you know, I don't have the sense of a house plant. Um, so, you know, I guess when I think about, you know, when I think about you as a photographer, I met you kind of in your role as, as a, almost like a documentarian for Jarvis's first diversity track at Dragon Con. And I'm a little mm-hmm. curious for someone who was looking at it from that perspective, um, what did you think about not just how he put it together, but where a diversity track fits into such a huge convention like that and the fact that they didn't have one until then? You know, when you when you look at it from your perspective, when when you think about trying to preserve some some of the newness of it and also the essence of what was going on for something brand new, kind of what what were you thinking as you were observing? Um, and I know this is last me, year, not this year, because yeah, this year uh, yeah. it was the second year. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, because it was his first year, and then also working with other conventions, this with the sure. track being so new you really have to prove yourself and because especially with DragonCon being around as long as it have and if people have been a part of or attending DragonCon for more than 10 years they've seen um, some tracks come and go and it's because you know they don't maintain or demonstrate the you know what the con wants to maintain um, for its attendees. So finally, Mm -hmm. with the diversity inclusion track, it finally was able to, 
I think for DragonCon, over the years, the amount of uh, POC uh, cosplayers and attendees that attends DragonCon continue to increase and had a presence, but it's very surprising like when for anyone outside of the state of Georgia don't realize how diverse the especially the conventions here in Georgia are and they really think uh the cons you know don't have that many POC especially black cosplayers or attendees so mm -hmm. when you finally able to get a diversity track showing that it's a need um to be able to provide that for the attendees um like I mentioned Jarvis, I wanted to make sure I captured everything, especially the people in the crowds, um, their reactions to stuff for the uh, the heads of the discussions Dragon and Con. events. I'm sorry, well, go ahead. Oh, that you're fine. Um, but mainly to make let the higher ups of DragonCon to see from the pictures the crowds in the room and things like that, that the, you're seeing that people want to be there. These rooms, like certain, you know, there are panels that the room was so crowded that people are standing and um, people are lined out the door. I wanted them to see that, say, hey, look, this particular, this particular panel, people were, couldn't even get seats in the room. So they can actually see, okay, this is what our, Congoers want and really show them um, not only the panelists, but mainly the attendees in the audience and seeing how, you know, the people really want that this and to really give the traction to show not only the people at DragonCon, but also show others on Facebook and social media, like this is what DragonCon have to offer to POC uh, attendees and have them want to come to DragonCon because of it. I'm sorry, I just coughed. I, I, I have allergies. You know, um, my my first and and this and excuse me for I don't know if this is a digression or not, but the first convention I attended, um, I was uh, made the moderator for a brand new um, discussion topic for Worldcon, and that was um, an Afrofuturism discussion. And so I was moderating that. We had a great panel. We had, uh, I, I can't remember who it was. I go back in the files, but I don't feel like getting up. I'm, I'm comfy. But but the thing was, was um, the it's not a lot of people think that like a discussion on diversity or inclusion or whatever only appeals to those people who are in that subgroup oh women's discussions oh it's only going to be just women mm -hmm. there and things like that and and um uh Boscone in uh, they they made me the moderator for a panel about women sci-fi authors only because i you know I was told later that because I do good discussions and because I wondered, well, why the hell was I on, on the panel? You know, <laughs> I, 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 write, I write black speculative fiction mostly. Yeah. And, and they said, no, no, because, the, you know, they said you, you do good and, and we wanted to make sure that 
everybody was included, everybody had a you know a, a good chance to express themselves, blah 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 blah. But um, I, I've told this story before, but one of the things that the, the reasons why it's important to have them is not for attendees of that ilk, you know, whether you're black, whether you're a woman, whether mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're, you have any kind of uh, differences in, uh, you know, I, I don't know the politically correct words, or I do know them and I don't remember them, but um, uh, uh, an older white man was sitting in, you know, kind of in the front row at Worldcon for this Afrofuturism discussion, and when we opened it up for, and it was standing room only. Yeah, we had people, this is at Worldcon in Kansas City, we had people lining the walls, mm-hmm. which surprised everybody, and it was it was a thoroughly diverse crowd. Well, Kansas City, it wasn't a whole lot of black folks at the thing anyway. And so um, this this older, and he was about 80 years old, black uh, white man, um, raised his hand, and he, he asked this question. He says, you know, do I have to know anything about black culture to appreciate um, these Afrofuturistic stories? And and being, you know, the glib joker person I am, I almost just gave a flip funny answer, but, it, you know, it, it, it did hit me that he was being entirely serious because he, he was interested, obviously, in the subject enough to sit through an hour's worth of discussion and then to ask the question. And then I thought of something. So I said, okay, how many people in here have seen Avatar? And they all raised their hands, you know, because that was, Mm -hmm. I guess it was the big movie that year. And I said, okay, um, put your hands down. All right, how many of you, um, before you saw the movie, knew anything about big-ass blue people? And everybody cracked up because nobody, and I said, so there's your answer. I think if somebody tells a good story, the, the culture and the, the you know, the, the, the creative universe behind the story just enhances it. And it's not necessary for you to know so much if somebody's a good storyteller. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that's the essence of, you know, having a diversity and inclusion track is to learn about things you may not know about yeah. and find out if there's an interest for you or even to find out things that you may not have even known. Um, I didn't see it this year and so it w- at, at DragonCon this year. And so this would have been the second year for that track. And you say that it was really, really just as well populated and received as it was the first year when I saw it? Yes, it definitely was. And then you really saw like how you mentioned, um, even though a lot of people have the assumption that it's geared to the PLC, which it primarily is because it's discussions for a a lot of that. But you have a lot of people that are, you know, you know, um, our panel for women of color. uh, It was packed to the gills. I mean, men, women, white, black, Asian, and a, all diverse <laughs> types of diversity, which truly represented what the p- track is, diversity. Uh, it was right. the, truly show the diversity of the room being a women of color panel. And you're seeing both men, women, and all you know everything right there in the audience and which was beautiful because you had people 
asking questions, trying to find out more, learning more, and even staying after to talk to the panelists to ask questions and uh, and things like that. So you definitely were seeing that throughout the week uh, weekend, and um, I definitely see in a couple years uh, that Dragon God's going to have to move this uh, that track into a much bigger room because we're the, the room that they currently have. They they keep uh, filling it to the gills, so they're gonna have to give them a second room to be for the bigger panels <laughs> and have that other room as for smaller things. But definitely need a bigger room um, going into year three, uh, especially going into year five. Uh, they're definitely gonna have to need a much bigger room as as this track continues to um, get more traction and and especially with their involvement with the um, Black Geeks of Dragon Con. And I was uh, privileged to be the primary photographer for that uh, photo uh -huh. shoot. And you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of black cosplayers there to take pictures. But right in the right behind me, you're seeing photographers of all races and colors shooting, you know, pictures along with me of this uh, photo shoot of all these I, and they take up the whole the biggest set of stairs at dragon con um that they take that whole set of stairs and it's the fifth year of them doing this and it's wow. uh you know a beautiful thing that you're just seeing from i think the youngest cosplayer was probably three months old uh that was in the <laughs> pictures uh ranging all the way to um, I think one cosplayer was uh, in their 70s um, that was there. So you're seeing this range of ages and uh, characters and and um, genders all there just taking uh, in this one big photo shoot. And um, the Black Geeks of Dragon Con, uh, it, uh, which uh, they have a Facebook page, um, always teams up with the diversity inclusion track. Uh, to kind of make this, uh, to uh, coordinate the shoot and everything. So, um, you know, it's, you know, have, beyond the track itself, as far as panels, you have the photo shoots that they're also involved in. So there's, you know, you get to see, you know, a lot more diversity and also being part of the parade, they're part of the parade too. So uh, you get to see uh, more of their influence and their, uh, getting more of that visual, uh, and this year being the biggest thing, BET came to Dragon Con, and they were part of, um, they were there for the shoot, and was capturing a lot of our POC cosplayers, and showing, hey, Dragon Con has, you know, thousands of, you know, POC cosplayers, and black cosplayers there, so that was huge to kind of have, you know, uh, a major network uh, to come and come and take uh, take pictures and video. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of our cosplayers and our panels, they came to the diversity inclusion track and um, videoed and photographed uh, some of the panels and everything to kind of share on BET's um, uh, YouTube channel and also their uh, their social media too. So that was a big, a huge step for our uh, diversity inclusion track. Well, you know, what people are, are starting to realize, and, and I, unfortunately right now it's financially driven, it's money driven, 
is that diversity sells in a lot of ways. You know, when you mm. when you look at our popular entertainment, when you look at, you know, all of the things that have been going on, you know, look at look at the big splash that Wonder Woman made. Not only was it yeah. a great movie, but it was directed by and largely produced by women. So, mm-hmm. you know, this this was not a case where they just threw a superhero movie together and just dropped a woman in with the same kind of memes that you would have <laughs> for the traditional stuff like Superman or whatever. You know what I mean? You, well, you know, mm-hmm. that's what, somebody mentioned, um, hey, if, if, uh, if, uh, if somebody makes a movie out of any of your books, you know, how would you feel about changing, you know, the gender of some of the main characters, you know, to to uh, uh, fit in with the the Me Too generation and all of this stuff? And I, you know, okay, I understand you want diversity, but don't crap it up by just changing somebody's gender. You know, to in in a in a story just to fit in or to try to, you know, it, it should be authentic to the story. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think yes. it should be pandering. It, I don't like pandering because first of all, it treats you like you're stupid. Okay, when you pander to the public, you know, you're 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 making the assumption and you're displaying your assumption that you've got no respect for them. Um, mm-hmm. And I, that that doesn't seem right. So um, I I like I like the fact that at least in terms of entertainment, you're seeing a lot more diversity. And even though it's driven by the fact that diversity is making the studios more money, I'll accept that their motivation is strictly money, and they don't give a damn about diversity if it makes it happen, because eventually something's going to change. And the fact that we get to see, you know, the kind of, we get to see people in roles who we wouldn't have seen before. We're actually seeing, you know, um, um, uh, deaf actors actually playing deaf characters, you know, Mm -hmm. and not that you have to be something to, to, you know, to portray it. And, And, of course, that brings up the issue of whitewashing, and I don't want, really want to get into that. You know, people go, oh, well, what, why does, uh... oh, you know, I can't remember her name. Uh, the, the woman who did her, um, Johansson, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, why Scarlett Johansson. Why does she get to do all, right. all of these, these roles? And, she, and I said, well, first of all, And she ahead. feels like she, she can because she's made a statement that I should be able to play any character that I want to play. Because I'm an actress, um, yes. Dress, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a half black, half Japanese lesbian trapped in a man's body, but I ain't gonna play no women on screen. You know that I'm just not yeah. gonna do it because I I don't bring it off right. Um. But but yeah. Uh, the fact that we're seeing more diverse roles in in you know the the top tier actors in a in a screenplay or in a television series is a good thing because you know this is actually this reflects truly what Americana is okay yes. it reflects the fact that we have so many different people and you captured that really well in your shots of of the convention that I saw and and the and and the interest just because something may be women themed 
it does not require you to be a woman to be to be interested in, and and it shows because you have just as many mm-hmm. men who want to understand. Okay, so what's the the what's the what's what's this about? And you know they're not looking for what's that test the Beck Betchel Beck. Beckel, Beckel, Beckel test where um, what you do is you look at a woman character in a movie and if they talk about just women things or whatever, I, I forget exactly how the test is, but what it is is it's a, it's a test to see whether your, your women characters are really authentic or not. You know what I mean? Mm, Rather than just yes. throw, throw a woman in there for the heck of it, you know? Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And and so yeah, I understand that a lot of this is pandering, but see, the the amount of money that Black Panther made shocked everybody. It shocked yeah. everybody because because they thought, well, it's just a black superhero, and you know there was a a, a whole year's worth of hype leading up to the the, the movie, mm-hmm. and then the movie resonated everywhere. And we're not talking about the United States; we're talking about everywhere. Same thing yes. with Luke Cage. Luke Cage was, you know, was downloaded all over the world. You know, that's what broke Netflix, or uh, uh, what was it? Yeah, it broke Netflix for a few days, for three days. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't just, it wasn't just the black folks in America downloading it, you know, and, yes. and watching it online. It, it was of interest to a lot of people. And I think people are tired of the same thing. I got tired of Superman a long ass time ago. How many times are we going <laughs> to reboot him? You know, I got tired. I even got tired of Spider-Man. Yeah, okay. You know, they do a pretty good job. There's better humor in the Spider-Man uh, uh, movies than in many of these other movies. But this, you know, the SSDD, same stuff, different day. I yeah. think has gotten <laughs> old with people. I th- well, I think mm-hmm. it has. And and yeah. look what Wonder Woman did for. For girls, um, there was the uh, right after it came out. There was a couple teachers who had. Well, I, there was one teacher in in in, in, in uh, specifically who came upon a bunch of girls sitting around talking about all being superheroes, and they were picking and choosing their superpowers and stuff. So they did it, They didn't overlap, and then they they could fight crime together because of Wonder Woman, and mm-hmm. and so. It shows that not only is it entertaining, but it does have an effect on the culture. Um, yes. From your perspective, what were you seeing? You know, I, I have my perspective about Dragon Con, but what, what are you seeing at these conventions in terms of how diversity is being portrayed or even being included? And I'm talking about not just black. I'm talking about women. I'm talking about um, people who have... Oh man, I you know I don't even know if disabilities is the right word, but you know they 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 have their challenges. They're not able. You know, they're not they what ha- we, yeah, able. They're physically uh, able. Yeah. So what what are you seeing? Because you go to a lot more conventions than I do, um, in terms of both the content and the attendees. Are you seeing um, more of an opening of the trend, or or what 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 do you see from your perspective? Um, I feel for all the forms of diversity, there's always been a presence, but as far as seeing it more, as far as panels and content, um, it tends to vary between, um, cons, um, that I've noticed. 
And for me personally, being um, a woman of color, a black mm -hmm. female, and I tend to gravitate to be a be on staff with cons that support more diversity um, than the cons. I mean, there's several cons, and I've been asked by people, hey, why don't you sign up to be uh, a photographer for this con or that con? And I'll look into it, and it's like, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, because it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, most people are, there's a lot of people I call are the, um, I call more the, I'm trying to think of the best way of calling it. But there's a lot of people that go to cons just to see the celebrities, the guests, the celebrity guests and everything. Um, and, you know, I always say to each their own. But you want to have those additional layers to it because not everybody is there to see that. And a lot of cons don't really dive too deep into it. Um, I've seen like, like heard from some people who have great content and they get turned down by other cons because you don't have the followings on social media that we want. They want you to have thousands and thousands of followers for you to even be considered for a panel or a guest. Right. And it's right. like, just because you have a lot of following doesn't mean they're going to bring the people to their panel. I mean, they're, because what they're talking about may not be anything of interest to people uh, to attend that particular panel uh, and everything. Unless you are a celebrity, they're not going to, you know, a lot of people are not going to fill that room unless it's something they really want to hear. And I've, I've gone to cons and panels that have people that may not have a huge following, but have the room filled to the gills because they're talking about something they want to hear. The con goers want to hear. And um, I think that's where some cons go wrong because they're so big on numbers for social media versus right. proper content. And so for cons like Momocon and, you know, um, Anime Week in Atlanta and, um, BlurCon, and then, you know, now DragonCon with the diversity track, you're adding those additional layers that a lot of the congors are uh, looking for and giving them the content, whether it's talking about um, having uh, about cosplaying, how to, you know, get into cosplay, making your own cosplay, or to the level of, okay, I'm trying to be a writer. And how is it to be a writer for a comic or for a book as a person of color or for a woman? And, mm -hmm. you know, I get the biggest example for myself is if you ever pay attention to the photographers at a con, you will notice that there's few pe people of color that are staff photographers. Even fewer are women. Um, just knowing for myself as a person of color and a woman on a lot the cons I work for, there's only less than a handful that tend to be on on staff. So uh -huh. I tell people I'm also adding my own version of diversity because it also makes a lot of congoers feel comfortable because one, it's a black uh, staff photographer and she's a woman and uh, especially for 
female cosplayers, it makes them feel more comfortable to have somebody come in and take their pictures because, I mean, as much as I love the, you know, our our geek world and our con world, there is a lot of creepy people. And, <laughs> and yes, our women are. have to deal with it a lot. And um, so having Well, look at all the rules. A... <laughs> you know, I, I, to, to what you're saying, look at all the rules that are in the handbooks and stuff like that. <clears throat> like, you know, okay, the, the year I went to Dragon Con, it was right after, you know, we had uh, that, that tragic shooting down in Florida at that one mm-hmm. convention and things like that. So, of course, a uh, year before last, there was a huge, huge, huge police presence at Dragon Con because, mm-hmm. you know, when you have 85,000 people, you don't want anything like that happening, you know. And so yes. I understood that. But the other thing was there was special note everywhere that just because a person is dressed up, or dressed like a character, or a woman is, you know, showing a bit more skin or whatever, is not licensed for you to, you know, to accost her, to touch her, to, you know, she deserves yeah, the same respect that she can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you say that, and and you know, then the other thing was uh, they didn't want what was oh they didn't want. Um, just body paint, you know, you mm, still had yes. to have, a, a, you know, bathing suit appropriate coverage, no matter mm-hmm. what kind of costume you had. And so I'll tell you, I went to, um, year before last, I went to, I, I, I've told this a couple times, but I went to the Wakanda Forever Party for, that the mm-hmm. diversity track put on the Thursday before, you know, everything really got rolling. And I saw these two, you know, very pretty women dressed up as some kind of characters. I didn't remember. I don't know. I didn't know what they were dressed up as. Okay. I had okay. no idea. And um, it wasn't, it was kind of dark in the room and it wasn't until they got within about six, seven feet of me that um, I noticed, uh, well, at least it was something new to me. I had no idea that you could get denim with nipples. Um, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were just painted. I, you know, they had pants on or something, but they they just had body paint on. And um, mm-hmm. you, you know, a lot of people, a lot of stupid men take that as some sort of an, you know invitation to touch somebody inappropriate or whatever. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that you know, and that's unfortunately that's that's built into our culture which is really sad because you should be able to dress however you want to dress and and still receive the same consideration and dignity that you would receive any other time. Um, yes. So, it, yeah, and, and so I can see exactly what you're saying about the fact that all of a sudden, you know, there oh, there's, you know, you being a staff photographer, you know, women cosplayers would would feel less likely to be exploited, you know, their image mm-hmm. is exploited in, in an inappropriate way. So that's pretty cool. That's cool that you're able to to set them at ease. What's not cool is the necessity, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, it even goes beyond that because you have so many cosplayers. It's their first time cosplaying 
ranging from kids to, you know, adults. And you have people that overlook them or, you know, if their cosplay isn't 100% just like it is in their version, <laughs> I'd like to say their version, their version right. of the character, not realizing there's umpteen different versions of Superman. And the Superman you're used to is just the one that's been on TV. Uh, <laughs> you want to sit there and critique someone's cosplay and then try to make them feel bad. And when I see someone who actually put in the work into it, or even if I don't care if you paid somebody to put the work into it and you are proud and you're there and it's like I go up to him like yeah can I take your you know your picture I mean there's just one cosplayer uh she was a, uh, a female cosplayer she was just as EA from uh Yu Yu Hakusho and this was at Momocon uh this year she was mm -hmm. across the floor and I spotted her while I was over somewhere and I literally had to tell the people about I'll be right back I darted across the floor and I was like excuse me <laughs> and she turns around I'm like I am so sorry show my badge I'm like I'm a staff photographer and I just want to know can I take a picture she's like you want to take my picture I'm like yes I want to take your picture your EA is amazing and she stood out one she was a female you know, a female playing a male character, that's one. And I've seen so many EAs, but what made the special touch that she did, I've never uh -huh. seen anyone have EA with the dark, you know, dragon of the dark, uh, the darkness flame on, she literally had it crawl all up her arm. And she built, made this whole, uh, made it all on her arm and that caught my attention. So I'm like, I'm going to take your pictures. And I snapped her pictures and I showed her, you know, I always like to show them a couple shots that I take of them so they can see, yeah, these are the shots. She's like, oh my gosh, she got so excited about the pictures. And, I, you know, uh, and from there, it was just like, you know, I wasn't, she, and then she let me know she wasn't sure about the cosplay, everything. I'm like, you look amazing. I ended up calling some other people about that. They were taking her picture. And it's like, yes, your EA's amazing. <laughs> and um, yeah. and it's it shows how, you know, just because she wasn't the typical, you know, guy who is with a six pack and all this dressed as EA knows she was a woman <laughs> dressed at it and she added another touch to the character that caught my attention from across the room that I right. had literally darted across because I <laughs> wanted to capture a picture. So that's a lot of times that added touch because a lot of times some people I've heard stories at other cons that I've never been a part of that decide not to go to cons or not want to cosplay anymore because of how people made them feel or especially photographers. Oh my gosh, that's a irk of mine. Make cosplayers feel that they'll go and you you know, they'll like okay, they'll act like they're taking your picture and as soon as they see that Female cosplayer that is five, six, thirty-six, twenty-four, thirty-six, with the you know all this, and they take fifty pictures of that character, and then they come right. back to you and they take two pictures and that's it, and you're like, okay. <laughs> and I hear all these stories, and it's just like that's 
crazy to me. And uh, yeah. uh, and it's disappointing because it literally would turn someone who has a passion or interest into it to not want to even participate or go to a con anymore or even cosplay anymore. And a lot of times if I end up coming across or hearing that person's like, I let them know, hey, I photograph at these cons. You let me know you coming. I will find you and I will photograph you. <laughs> and uh because it, it, a lot of times it just takes one person, you know, to kind of change that aspect. And, you know, that's also my thing is I want to photograph those unique cosplayers, but also those amazing cosplayers. I mean, that, you know, to me, it's like, I can tell this, you look amazing. Everybody may know, else may not see it at the time, but I freaking think you look right. amazing. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and, and, you know, people think that, oh, being a photographer is kind of a passive act, but it's not. It's not mm-hmm. because you, you, you actually affect what's going on. You know, um, I, don't, I don't think people think much about it if they're not a photographer, if they're not, you know, if it's not something that they do. But, mm-hmm. but in terms of, you know, for special kids, you know, for kids especially, you know, all of a yes. sudden you, you know, you come up to them and say, oh, my God, you know, I'm the staff photographer. Can I take a picture of you for the convention? I mean, mm-hmm. think about that for a kid who might, first of all, they're in an adult's world. I don't care yes. what you say because it's not Disneyland, okay? If it's not yes. Disneyland or <laughs> Disney World, <laughs> excuse me, they are in an adult's world. Okay, yes. that's just the way it is. And so for you, you know, as much as you want to be a documentarian, you know, you are part of the show. You are part of the event. You are part and parcel, um, uh, uh, kind of a, a, a color, a tint, uh, uh, an effect to the event because of, of the nature of what it is you do. So it's yes. it's kind of cool that a you know that and b that you you apply that role positively. You know it's yes. not. So I I think it's it's just kind of cool. I mean I met you under a great circumstance. You know even though it was hot as hell, I was sweaty. <laughs> you know there was too many people in the room. You know my hip was bothering me. I hated wearing long pants and all of that heat. Etc. 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 I had to, you know, I had to, I had to tamp down our special guest, you know, um, uh, a couple times when he went off on tangents and things like that. But yet, all in all, you know, it was like, wow, this is like a real person. And and like you yeah. said, being being a black woman in that role is something that people should not overlook because, I mean, think of how long Dragon Con has gone and not really paid much attention to, you know, first they did pay attention to gender. You know, they mm-hmm. they started thinking in terms of women, you know, because it was, you know, science fiction, comics, all of that was basically a man's game for, you know, just a short amount of time, like 80, 90, 100 years. Okay, yes. so all of, a, all of a sudden they discover that, you know, we can address issues that are not 
you know, uh, white male Superman issues, and mm-hmm. and it would be of interest. And then to have you there, I think, is reinforcing, at least for that. I haven't seen you at any others because I, I haven't traveled to any anything much in Atlanta. Um, I'll probably be looking forward to doing some of that maybe during cold weather as I get older. But uh, try so, to come to Anime um, Week in Atlanta. It's like this year is well, I was going to say so. Now it's getting cooler I, and. It's like the perfect time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that. First of all, in Atlanta, they have at least um, uh, two, three dozen conventions every weekend, it seems like. <laughs> I know that that's a gross exaggeration, but it is almost not an exaggeration. Every weekend in Atlanta, there is something to do, which I think is great yes. because and, – and most of them, I have found, are kid-friendly. So yes. that's mm-hmm. good, too, because you're exposing younger people to, to environments where they can actually either see things that they're already interested in or see things they have never seen before and become interested. Um, yes. I have interviewed a number of comic creators, and they create comics for preteens or teens and up, and... They always talk about how great it is when a parent brings their child or children and the kids are exposed to comic books that are not DC and Marvel, you know, that mm-hmm. there's other stuff out there. Um, yes. If, if you were going to pick kind of like the, nah, that's a big bra. I was going to ask you, what's the perfect environment for a convention? But, man, just, there's so much out there. There's so <laughs> much content. Well, there's so many different things. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, it's not and like... And one of those, I just tell like, people, you you go according to what your child likes. Like, you know... There you go. Um, there you go. Because not everything, not every con is going to be a, a good fit for not only just, you know, think of it, how not every con is a good fit for you. It may not be a good fit for your kid. It depends on what they like. And, um, you know, I tell people, okay, if you're you know, looking at more of a broader range. Okay, like Momocon is a very family-friendly con, and uh, you have everything like this This current year. They have the voice actors and people connected with Steven Universe. So, you know, the kids, the, teens and adults were all in line to meet uh, the characters and the people who, you know, and, and things like that from Steven mm-hmm. Universe and stuff. So, and... A lot of the cons, which I tell people to pay, definitely pay attention to content. So, like, you know, I'll, I'll give an example of MomoCon again. They have stuff geared to the kids as far as, you know, they have a room that they can go and build Legos <laughs> with Legos and stuff and learn how to make your own bento box and things like that. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. have all kind of stuff that they can look at the schedule and find stuff that's geared to their kids and and like you said, it's introducing them, you know, and making them, because a lot of times, and a lot of us as adults, we're used to a, growing up that we felt out of place because we were into something that wasn't popular or we were looked down upon it. And now a lot of the geek culture has become popular now. But at sure. the same time, even though it is popular, I know, like, I was talking to uh, one of the teachers at a school I volunteer at. They were telling me how a lot of the black 
kids in at this high school were feeling ostracized and being teased because of the geek stuff they're into. And I'm, you know, working with them to do a monthly thing um, uh, with their African American uh, society uh, club that they have there uh, to have. Uh, people connected to the geek culture to come in and talk and let them see, hey, you know, as an adult, you can still be into this stuff. Uh, so as kids, we have to let them know, hey, this is somewhere you can feel safe. You're around people who like the same thing you like and um, and let them enjoy it. Because like there's one, oh my gosh, a little girl, she's been cosplaying since oh my gosh i think she's been cosplaying since she was four or something but uh and her it literally was her she told her parents she liked it um she knew a lot of kids didn't understand it so but she had great parents that supported her had her go to cons let her dress and she's this a little amazing little powerhouse uh she's probably about eight now and um, I photographed her a couple times and um, follow her and everything. Um, and she, I mean, she's dressed everything from Ruby from uh, and uh, several other characters, including uh, Rukia from Bleach and uh, so many other ones and just the cutest little thing. And she's so serious about her cosplay. And there's a couple other kid cosplayers that I've gotten to know and they have the support of their parents, but then they get brought into a world that they get the support also of others that let them know, yes, we we're supporting you. We love what you're doing and allowing them to really grow into their own person because of what they love and not feeling like they can't be who they are just because of something they like. Wow. Um, from, from the other perspective, from, from your other main interest, um, do, you know, I know as a singular photographer, you know, it's kind of like a, a, an insular, um, well, no, not so much, but it, it's a singular pursuit because it's not like you got two people holding the camera and whatever. But um, do you do much mentoring uh, yet? You know, are you, or, or are you kind of tied up with what you do? Do you get to, I understand the sharing the cosplay part with kids, but anything in terms of, of photography along those lines? I'm just curious. Uh-uh. I, I do no? in a way. Um, I do mm-hmm. like, um, it's not like, I wouldn't say anything formal. Um, I like okay. my mentor, he has actual classes people sign up for and everything else. But for me is when I hear whether it's adult teenager, uh, there's actually a teenager from one that the high school I've mentored at, uh, who would just ping me with questions about, uh, equipment or, I'm trying to do this, which, you know, you know, ideas or perspective and, you know, um, and I've had, like I said, from adults to kids, so I ask and, you know, they're like, hey, I'm, I want to get into photography. And it's like, all right. Okay. First thing is, all right. You know, I tell everybody, it's not always about, you know, the body of or the camera itself, because you can get a... Canon Rebel, um, which you can get a complete kit for like five hundred dollars, 
and that Excuse body me. can do just what you need for pictures. But like I tell them, the difference is when the type of lenses you use with it. Right. And so I'm like, you don't have to spend a whole lot in the body. Now you start spending more with the body if you're going to do start doing more advanced stuff like you're photographing a lot of sporting events with a lot of fast and a lot of action and things like that. So you need some right. uh, camera body that can respond quicker, have a faster, um, you know, shutter, speed, respond and quicker, like shutter speed and things like that. Yes. And um, but just getting into, you know, photography, you don't have to put a whole lot of money into it. But then once you start wanting to step it up, you can still use that same body. But you just start adding into the camera, you know, the lenses start getting like, you know, um, and it doesn't have to be a Canon brand. Like I, even though I have a Canon, I have several uh, Sigma lenses, which are just as good as Canon lenses, but uh, not as expensive as the lenses can be. And, you, you know, get, you know, you can get a Sigma lens, a 17 to uh, 50 mm 2.8 lens that you could be able to use more for uh, low light environments and things like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, that particular lens you'll spend, you know, probably $400, $500 new versus if you got the Canon version, you're, you know, you'll be looking at spending close to, you know, $1,000 on that lens. Oh, so, yeah. And, um, or a lot of times I tell people, hey, you can go to like places that rent lenses and they'll sell their lenses after being serviced and refurbished and everything. And you get those at a fraction of the cost that you're not spending as much on a brand new lens, but you know, you're getting a reliable lens at the same time for the type of lens you're looking for. So you could slowly start getting to that. But I'm like, while you're learning, just get the basic camera with the basic lenses and like I told them, it's like, hey, okay, first you do is every moment you can have an opportunity to take pictures, take pictures. Uh, right. And that's what I got accustomed to because I just remember my grandfather, everything he always had a camera for. And, you know, he will have, it'll be a birthday celebration, family reunion. We're just out at the park. He had his camera on him and he was taking pictures. And, um, and I just tell people the same thing, like I learned from him, just take it with it because that's how you end up learning your camera and learning your perspective on pictures and mm -hmm. just snapping things. I mean, you, you're going for a walk, take your camera with you, photograph things as you're walking along and then start getting adjusted. And I tell people, you know, one thing that I learned automatically is, okay, take it off of auto. Auto is not your friend. You're not going <laughs> to learn to take, take pictures that way. Put it in manual right. and then learn how to adjust. Because like, like I told people, I never took classes on it. I adjusted in the manual settings. And most people will say, oh, you took a shot. What were your, you know, how did you know to put it in that settings? I just adjusted it until I saw it looked good. And then I took pictures. <laughs> and, well, and uh, I think that's also... You know, that's also a good way to learn, and, and it's almost the only way to learn in terms of digital photography because, mm -hmm. again, you're not, you're, you're not footing the bill for processing, you know, yes. film processing like you would have. And that, I mean, that was, 
that was kind of a tough way to learn Ooh, how yes. to photograph. Um, it, with black and white, uh, when I started out, um, there were a bunch of us, and we, you know, we would mess up somebody's bathroom for an afternoon, <laughs> trying trying to, <laughs> you know, trying to print yeah. our own stuff because. Mm-hmm. First of all, black and white film was cheaper. The chemicals, they cost a little bit, but they didn't cost anything like what doing color would have been. And, Ooh, yes. you know, I don't want to think about how many bathroom mats and, 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 and tiles <laughs> we messed up with those spilling them chemicals. But we had a bunch of mothers, you know, hollering at us. But, yeah, with, with digital, the, the process of learning, of being self-taught, seems, I mean, it is infinitely easier than mm-hmm. it was in the good old days. And I don't, I don't want yeah. to sound like that old person. But, oh, trust me, I um, understand because I used to get so upset when I had to develop my film and then it's like, man, half of these pictures are horrible. I can't even, I can't even really use these. <laughs> well, and, and then when you do your stuff on manual, it's okay. Let's say you forgot to, to change the f stop to where it should have been. You know, yes. you got you got a whole roll of film that you can't do a damn thing with. So <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it is easier these days, and I think that that you know, like anything else, I think that the bar is lower to learning. So it's much mm-hmm. easier to learn. Um, because because of the lack of expense and and so yes. that's kind of good because what it does is it it's allowing you know a new generation of photographers to learn mm-hmm. their trade um, in a way that that would not have been possible not very long ago you know yes so yes. that is that is that is a definite positive or a definite plus in terms of thinking about becoming you know, a photographer. And to that end, I'm a little curious. Um, I know what you do is more along the practical lines, but have you done much artistic stuff that you, you know, that you're, I don't want to say proud of, but that you've enjoyed doing, you know, to that extent? Um, You know, okay, like for me, it was the nighttime stuff. Um, I used to have a really nice portfolio but that was so many years ago. I can't. I couldn't even put my hands on any of my prints from that time. Um, do you do artistic work as well, or have you done that? Um, I would say I dabble a little bit into it, um, especially uh-huh. if I'm photographing for someone and I am allowed to be creative. Um, okay. One example was um, I was doing a shoot um, of for a family of their two kids and the um, pictures were going to be a gift to their father. And um, I was just like, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to do this typical studio photos. And I was like, but she's like, and I was like, okay, do you really want that? Or, you know, are you looking for something in particular? She said, well, I just want something really creative. Oh, okay. Okay. So how creative are you going to let me go with this? And she was like, well, you know, um, she was like, okay, you know, as long as it's not going too out there. And I'm like, all right. So, you know, I did, I said, I want to do a half outdoor shoot, half indoor shoot. And 
we went outdoor and we went to a nature preserve um, that uh, is in Atlanta and took some pictures there and got some really amazing shots of the kids just uh, with a lot of the nature with them with the stream behind them. There was an old um, wooden bridge, covered bridge, uh, took some pictures of them there and um, a water fountain area. And then inside, because uh, I was like, are you thinking about possibly using the pictures for Christmas cards? And she was like, well, I didn't think about them. Like, I want to kind of do this aspect since you have, you have your Christmas tree up, had the kids there and I got a little creative in trying to make an, a magical picture by having a book that they're reading, um, having uh, magically come to life uh, in the picture, basically. So we took that and ended up being that I got a book. <laughs> I put my iPad in the highest setting inside of the book to kind of have it glow. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. went from there and did a, a little bit of editing on that to kind of make it look like um, uh, fairy dust or it, and magic was coming out the book um, with that aspect. <laughs> and in it being as I when I took the picture, the youngest, which was a little boy, I guess was first time seeing like an iPad being used. So he was amazed. So he had this look of amazement, which helped the picture even better because he looks amazed at looking at this book. So I'm like, that was perfect <laughs> for the picture. So they ended up using it on the Christmas card with that of the the magic of Christmas was the na mm -hmm. you know, name of the, the, the card. So it kind of really depends on if someone allows me because I do more pictures you know, I'll say 95% of my pictures tend to be for other people. Uh, I have very little time now since I've been so involved both in con and cosplay photography and then corporate photography too, uh, doing uh, just pictures for me kind of thing. Uh, so I, I, but when I get a chance to be creative, like something like that, I, I, I like to try to bring out something different, even with cosplay photography, you know, uh, especially if I see a character and it's like, all right, I'm about trying to make the character stand out instead of those typical pose pictures. I want something to make it sure. look like a little action with the photos. So uh, I'll have different aspects. Like um, I had someone dressed up as Celine from Underworld and I'm like, okay, you're Celine. <laughs> and she was posing and it's like, all right, this is going to sound crazy. I said, I want you to growl at me. She's like, excuse me. I was like, just growl. <laughs> she's growl she growled at me. I'm like, all right, that's what I want you to do. Because I said, I want you to show off your teeth. I'm like, you're a vampire. I don't want you standing there posing and looking pretty. I want you growling and showing your teeth. <laughs> and then I said, as you do that, I said, I want you to just slightly jump. And then I had somebody grab her jacket and uh, the count of three, I said, just jump. And I want that person to let go of the jacket. And when they did it, She's growling, so she's showing her vampire teeth, and when I snapped the shot, her jacket looked like it was floating, and it looked like she just was coming down to land from, you know, from flying in the air, and I was like, that's what I want. I wanted to make it look like I just caught you in mid-action, and that's the kind of stuff I look for to kind of get that, you know, artsy creativeness to it, because I'm like, I don't want you standing there and posing like you're doing a model shoot. Your character. Right. I want them to see you as your character and make it stand out that way. That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, that that was posed, and even the pose for with the kid 
with the iPad, the glow, all of that was, you know, you setting it up, but it, it, it became more than just the sum of its parts. And that's always, mm-hmm. we always called those happy accidents, you know? Yes. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, so by the way, uh, you know the the promo picture with uh, that Jarvis put together for you does show you with the sword, which is you know it's so hot. We'll talk about that when I see you next. Face-to-face. <laughs> okay. Um, I hope you have the sword with you because I I, I have ideas. Um, but okay. I mean, <laughs> what what have you dressed up as so far? And and what was what's the appeal what's the affinity for the characters that you have dressed up as uh so far of course i mentioned uh yodoichi i've done two different versions of her one and okay. in her so um in her captain's jacket that's when she had became a captain at the soul society and like i said being one of the only female captains and on also being someone of you know of a dark complexion too on uh in the in the series in this type of role um so i i wanted to play that version of her and then i had another cosplay uh that of her in her training uniform um Uh and then also i've done um my little twist of Red Riding Hood, which I call the melanated Red Riding Hood. <laughs> and uh, and then I did a character named Yaya. Uh, she's from a series called Yuna and the Haunted um, Hot Springs. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a, a young girl uh, who has been inhabited by the cat god. So, um, and I did the version when she's showing off her ears and, and tails. So um, I I did I sh- displayed her for the first time at uh, Dragon Con. And then, of mm-hmm. course, the picture you're talking about with the sword, I, my actual mentor, um, Andrew Michael Phillips, he was doing some photos of, uh, of uh, you know, black nerds and, and, and things surrounded by things of their element and uh he wanted me to have some cosplay and i'm like well i don't have a lot of cosplay yet uh so he's like just get some stuff that you're into so i had my <laughs> yaya i had uh and i said well everybody's kind of seen my yodoichi so i'm not going to really do that and then he's like what else do you have and i said well i have my um my uh you know i said i have my katana and i also have my um i said i can wear my um this right here and then he was like okay you know just you know let's try it out so i put it you know i put it on and i i wanted i said all right and i told him i was like i'm thinking of like something on the level of kill bill and so he's like, all right, let's see what you do. And I went and pulled the sword out my, out the sh- the shaft of the uh, and the sheet. Uh, they call it the sheet. The sheet. Don't sorry, the I'm sorry. The, the sheet. sheet yes. <laughs> the sheet. I apologize. <laughs> and <laughs> I pulled it from the sheet, and uh, he was he took he was like, that's the shot right there, and he took the picture. Right. And um, and then uh, that is along with my the Yodoichi with the robe that I'm I'm pulling out my uh, katana at that picture too I I will say that picture with me with this uh, with my katana that you're talking about is like 
one of my most popular pictures that after I decided to share that one, it's like, it's kind of gone crazy with that one. Cause he was like, yeah, that was the look. And I was like, yeah, I was kind of, I said, it, I was going for the, you know, gate, you know, assassin geisha slash kill bill kind of moment right there on that one so i said it's not quite cosplay but it's my version of cosplay that i just pulled together uh what what a lot of people would call cos uh cos uh closet cosplay basically you just pull stuff that was in your cost um closet and make a cosplay out of it which i did with that picture i just uh pulled some things that i had um and you know already had in my closet and and we made that picture happen. Um, so uh -huh. a lot of times it's, you don't have to buy a lot of stuff. You may have stuff in your closet that can be a character. Uh, like <clears throat> I told uh, someone who was like, I'm looking to get into cosplay, but I have a lot of money. I'm like, okay, you, you have a yellow t-shirt? Yeah. You got some jeans? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there, your shirt a little raggedy? Okay. Oh, it is? Okay. That yellow shirt, put some holes in it. You can be mm -hmm. Cage. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and so there you like, go. Yeah. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money on a costume. I mean, you can if that's what you want to do. But a lot of times, if you don't have a lot of money and want to just dip your toe into it, you can pull stuff from your closet and make a cosplay or go. A lot of times, I go, you know, you can go to the Halloween stores that have stuff or online and buy stuff to put together to make a cosplay. And a lot of times, it doesn't have to be something popular like. Uh, Yaya is a uh, a new anime and manga that just came out, so not a lot of people are familiar with it. But I've seen it. I like the character. I wanted to uh, dress up as that particular character. Uh, but at the same time, you can do like original characters. So <laughs> someone could I've seen before. Someone will get um, from uh, Marcus Williams and Greg Burnham's. Uh, comic uh the tuskegee airs uh i've seen several people at cons i've been to dress up as their characters their comics uh their series right now has three issues but um it may not be a dc or marvel comic but people read it they connect right. to the characters and decide to dress up <clears throat> as it and but it also opens up a uh, a dialogue with you if someone sees you and like, oh, what's your character? Just like me dressed up as Yaya. It's like, what's your character? I, I'm not mm -hmm, familiar. Mm -hmm. And I end up telling them and they're like, okay, what's she, what is she from? Or what is this character from? And then you can expose that person to something they've never checked out or was familiar with. And, you know, they, and someone like, Marcus and Greg may end up getting a new fan because, oh, I'm interested in this particular comic. Oh, well, they're right in Artist Alley. Just go right in Artist Alley. You'll find them at booths such and such. And they'll end up going over there and picking up the comics or picking up some new stuff of theirs that they see while they're at their booths. So a lot of times, it, you know, it doesn't have to be something popular. It's just something that you relate to and you want to connect to. Yeah, and, and, you know, your point is well taken about cosplay can also expose people who have never seen X, Y, or Z to X, Y, or Z. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if, if, if you, if you, <laughs> excuse me, if you pique their interest, they, they're, they're much more likely to want to investigate. 
So, yes. so there's, there's kind of like, you know, you're enlightening people about what, you know, what else is out there, what's new, what's exactly. different, what they may mm-hmm. not have seen before. <clears throat> Sorry. And I always um, tell people, don't assume that they know it either, because I've met so many people that a lot of people think just because it may be popular in your circle may not be something they're exposed to. Like, there's people I know that n- have never heard of Bleach. So when they saw my character, Yodoichi, they were like, you know, they just thought I was like a samurai or something. And then they were like, okay, you know, what version of a, you know, character you are? And I'm like, oh, it's from the series Bleach. What's Bleach? Right. And I had to tell them. So just because it's popular in your circle or something, don't always assume that everybody knows it because some people may not be into anime. They may be into gaming. So they're probably not familiar with a lot of the characters or they may be into comics and sure. not into anime and, and, you know, those different realms. So there's, I would, you know, even though I'm, you know, into comics and anime and manga and stuff, I'm not familiar with everything because there's, those worlds are so vast. So even when I'm photographing someone, I will approach them, especially if I see someone that's an interesting, you know, character or look, I'm like, you know, can I take a picture? You know, can I, can you tell me about, you know, you know, what, who you're dressed up as and about them and have them explain, you know, about them. And that helps me too. Cause that also hypes me up for taking a picture. Cause when they get excited and I see the passion when they're describing their person and who they're dressed up as and where it came from and why they're dressed as that character, then it's like, all right, now I'm excited to take your picture. <laughs> you know, it, it, and, and the other thing, the other part that you get to see is you get to watch people catch, like you catch their eye and then they look and you know, if they recognize, you get the smile. If they don't, maybe a little quizzical, wondering what you are and stuff like that. I, I also think that, you know, that, that observation has got to be kind of a cool part of you dressing up in the first place. You know, how, mm-hmm. how are people going to react to you? Um, yes. Any, any, any really good stories you want to tell about uh, somebody discovering who or what you were? Um, I mean, of course, the little girl is always my favorite one right there. Sure. But um, that's that's my pinnacle one. (laughs) And with me being so new to this world, it's it's, uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of stories. But coming from the other side of like on the opposite lens, I mean, for I'll say for a little kid, I I just remember at Anime Week in Atlanta, this little kid was uh, she not even barely two. I saw her and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's just the cutest little thing over there. So I go over and and of course I pre approached parents first and I'm like, excuse me, I'm you know staff photographer. I love to take pictures. They're like, good luck if you allow her to take. She allow you to take your her picture, and all. Uh, but they're <laughs> like, go ahead and let her let you take her picture. And I get down and I'm like, hi. And she kind of looks at me, and she, you know she kind of got this look like, all right, who are you? And then I'm like, mm-hmm. look. It's Pikachu. And she looks and I snapped the picture and ended up being Anime Weekend Luna used it on their website. But she was dressed as an Oompa Loompa and she had an actual 
big lollipop too that was made out of foam so she can carry it around. But she was just dressed as the cutest little Oompa Loompa ever. And I have it on my, you know, Facebook profile and things like that. And I, <laughs> even though that picture is a couple years old, I still have people that will come across it and say, oh my gosh, that little girl's the cutest little thing. You know, where did she, you know, where did you find her? And I'll tell them the story. And it's like, yeah, I end up capturing that. She probably, you know, didn't care what nobody thought about it, but, you know, her dress as a character, you know, got other people excited. They, you know, was so, you know, adorable to see just a little kid dressed up as, you know, a, a, a character that you don't typically see all the time. You don't see people dressed as Oompa Loompa from, you know, uh, or anything like that. So it kind of, you know, is that amazing little aspect that, okay, there's a character I'm familiar with, but at the same time, I don't see a lot of. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and for do you dress and photograph at the same time, or do you kind of keep the two parts separate in your life? Um, initially, from our first time cosplaying, I was trying to keep that separate because I was I was trying to learn to be a cosplayer, and I've always had a lot of respect for cosplayers because to see them get ready as I'm getting ready to shoot them. I already see the work they put in. But then I had to do it. And I am so thankful for my little army for my first time cosplaying. I had all of them around me giving me tips. Okay, this is how you can put contacts in. This is how you put a wig on. All right, this is how you And <laughs> when I was putting Yodoichi on, which had contacts, wigs, everything, and she has layers for this outfit that she has on with the captain's robe. And I'm putting it on and putting the stuff on. And literally, I was like, I'm sweating trying to get this stuff on and trying to make this stuff work. And they're helping me style the wig and everything. And I literally looked at them. I was like, you know, you know what? I always appreciated everything I do. And I've had respect for you. But I will let y'all know this is some bullshit. I was like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> and they laughed and they were like, you'll get used to it. After a while, it's going to be nothing to you. I was like, man, why is this? It's taking me longer to get dressed in this than me trying to go to prom or something. I'm like, this is some work. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and it's just a different experience doing that. So I wanted to try to figure out the whole cosplay world. And then when Dragon, um, and I initially had told everybody I'll, if I'm working a con, I don't want to cosplay. I wanted to kind of be in my element because usually if I'm photographing, I'm just, I put myself in some some jeans, a baggy t-shirt, and that's my attire, and I pulled my hair back. And um, when Dragon Con came around, everybody was like, no, 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 We're, you're going to cosplay. We're going to have you cosplay. You're going to be taking pictures and cosplaying. So Dragon Con was my first time <laughs> trying to cosplay and photograph at the same time. So, And I think it was a positive and a negative at the same time trying to do that as my first con <laughs> to photograph and cosplay at the same time with the crowds and the heat and everything else so yeah it was it was an interesting time to try to learn but everybody was like that's the best way to learn is like 
kicking me from the frying pan right into the fire. They were like, hey, if you can make it to Dragon Con, you can make it through anything in cosplay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was very interesting in trying to do it because you, when I'm in jeans and a t-shirt photographing, it's a different, I call it, I feel like it's a different element for me to photograph because uh, I am the most comfortable. I have the most... Uh, range and um and everything to be able to photograph but then when you get into costumes in, in that you're wearing for cosplay you have mm -hmm. to readjust based on the costume you're wearing uh if it gives you the give of wearing a jeans that you may not have with a costume and um and which is also something that at cons, they do allow photographers to cosplay, but one of the biggest things they tell you is you can cosplay, but as long as you're able to still do your job while you're cosplaying. And that's the biggest thing is making sure you're not trying to do something massive and you're there's no way you can take the <clears> picture. <throat> so even though I was cosplaying at Dragon Con, I tried to make sure I had costumes that did not limit my um, visibility to be able to photograph, but at the same time didn't mm -hmm. limit me too badly uh, with mobility uh, to try to take pictures in whatever I'm wearing. So um, it was definitely helped with a learning curve and also allows me, like you say, DragonCon being during part of the hottest times of the year for Georgia. It was one oh, of those yeah. I was just like <laughs> I was like, these wigs are hot. <laughs> and they're like, well, everybody I, can you know, well, these are you... short wigs. And I'm like, short, long, I don't care. These are hot because I still got all my natural hair underneath it too. <laughs> yeah. And then and then when you look at the parade at Dragon Con mm -hmm. and all of those people in full costume and, yes. and, you know, when I was there, that was a sunny, hot, humid uh, yes. day. <laughs> and, and most and people I don't realize nothing... that the cosplayers are standing out there way before In the, the costume starts. Oh, yeah. Before it gets started for a good hour or two before it gets started. So they're out in that element for a good four or five hours. <laughs> and some of them are in, like, armor and stuff like that and it's yeah cooking right inside of that bad boy Instant yeah sauna. you know they they've become a convection <laughs> oven yeah exactly <laughs> you know guys are out there in that full armor you know cooking their beans and frank um yes point of phrase <laughs> yeah so anyway so uh, you know in terms of being a photographer let's let's you know switch to one hat if, if somebody if you were going to advise someone new who was thinking about wanting to become kind of like a documentar documentarian like you are in terms of, you know, whether it's industrial, whether it's, you know, conventions, whatever, I mean, do you have any, any advice that you would give them in terms of what, for, you know, what to expect, what they should expect, and also what should they think about and work toward in, in, in terms of honing their craft? Um, I'll go first as far as if you're interested in being a con photographer. Um, mm -hmm. you The biggest part is you definitely have the biggest element all the cons look for is being able to photograph in low lighting. Um, you have to demonstrate in a lot of the cons they have to see your work. 
before they even consider right. you. Um, yeah. So you have to show. So a lot of times I will advise people if you're interested in doing it, if you don't have a portfolio that have low lighting pictures, um, make sure you have your cameras to take pictures, things at concerts that will allow you to take pictures, events that tend to have very low lighting so you can get your experience, start building your knowledge base and adjustment to them. And all the cons typically have it that you are using no flash. Um, there's some elements of cons that will allow you to use a flash, but when it comes to panels or things like that, they they tend to have you with no flash. So that's when you have to really know your manual settings because you mm -hmm. have to adjust to that. And, and a big reason because of that is flash can be very distracting to those on stage. And especially if it's a fashion show or cosplay competition, you can blind whoever is on that stage for a moment and it can cause issue um, even for a concert too, uh, for an artist that's up there. Uh, so that's why a lot of them will ask for that. Um, and that's when you're, you also have to provide a list of your equipment. Um, most cons will at least look for, make sure you have lenses that ha are at least a 2.8 um, for, uh, for your lens. Um, sure. For low lighting, um, Dragon Con and some of the really big cons want at least you to have something a little bit more than that. Um, but majority of them, you have to have at least 2.8 because that's kind of the range that you can be able to photograph, have a lens to photograph low lighting um, and get some good pictures without a flash. Um, mm -hmm. So... I will tell you, you know, people, if it's a, you know, a concert, if um, it's dust and it's starting to get dark outside, taking pictures outside uh, of different things that have pictures, if there's a, you know, a, um, a night event that uh, has low lighting, take some pictures there as long as the camera is allowed. And just start building your experience and your knowledge because you have to show them your portfolio to show well, you a portfolio. have ability. Yeah. And I had to provide one, you know, to be considered for the cons. They had to see what my work was like. Um, sure. And, um, and if you're a con, a, a con attendee, Go ahead and bring your camera to take pictures. Of course, no flash. Go, get used to not taking a flash and making sure that camera is a manual. Uh, I, there's so many people that when I talk to them, they're like, oh, I, 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 I take plain pictures. I photograph at cons and everything. And I'm like, okay, you know, do you use your manual settings? No, I have an auto. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work for a con. <laughs> uh, you have to use your manual settings. Uh, trust and believe. And um. And I'm like, start getting used to using it. If you plan on trying to be a staff photographer for one of these conventions, then you're going to be looking, you know, you have to get adjusted to it. And a lot of people are dependent on a flash on your camera. And it's like at least 95% of the con for outside of stuff on the floor that is just con goers walking around the floor or at the, uh, in the game room area, things like that. Um, yeah. 
you're not going to be able to use your flash. There's areas that they will tell you and they will advise you where you can use your flash. Uh, most of the time it tends to be just the con floor where people are just walking about or hanging out at. Uh, but panels and things like that, they'll tell you no flash. The concerts, no flash. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. you really have to adapt to that environment. Uh, so that's going to be your thing to really adapt to. Um, for those that you, you just have to practice in those elements um, and talk to someone who's in that area that you want to get into to learn okay, what I need to know to start working on and then start building up your experience, build your portfolio, and then that way you have it. And then um, slowly build up your equipment. Like I tell people, don't try to kill yourself trying to buy everything and don't think like we were talking about earlier you got to get the biggest fanciest camera i mean like we were talking <laughs> about the canon 5d oh it's a beautiful camera i it is on my wish list i just know unless i somebody decides to sponsor me if anyone out there wants to sponsor me please you know hit me up i'll i'm looking for sponsors if you want to sponsor <laughs> me and buy that buy me that camera or I win the lottery, I'm going to be realistic with my myself and I'm not going to put myself into debt just because of a fancy camera because you also have to learn that camera. It could be fancy and beautiful and everything, but if you don't know how to use it, it's not going to do you any good compared to a, a point and shoot camera. Um, right. So get what's financially feasible and what you're trying to do if you're learning get something on a lower level like a, a rebel uh canon rebel which is a more cost-effective camera and then upgrade your camera as your experience grow and as you start diving into stuff and if you start getting into more sports fo photography yes you're going to need something of like a 5d or a camera with a faster shutter speed uh, that mm -hmm. you can be able to photograph action shots uh, you can shoot with other cameras but you're not going to get that clear crisp look that you're looking because that's a lot of times it cannot move fast enough to capture the picture and you're going to get those blurs and things like that in the pictures that you're trying not to get um for a sporting photo photographs and stuff so when you start getting in those elements you're going to be spending a little bit more on equipment because of the nature of that um that particular area of photography but um and then on top of that there's so many online classes that you can learn but especially check into with a lot of the photographers that are out there, you know, if they're interested in being your mentor, uh, show mm -hmm. you the ropes, mm -hmm. learn from them. And a lot of them are teachers themselves. Like my mentor, he's a teacher. He teaches at Atlanta Photography School and um, a couple other, uh, and uh, he teaches classes there. And um, you can sign up and pay and attend his classes and learn hands-on from him and um, right. you know and learn from one of the best so you just have to find what's in your time what's in your bet budget um, and just take the time to build it it's not something that's gonna be instant um, it's gonna take years of learning um, whether you take classes you go to school for some 
some people like my mentor and other people that I know who are in photography, they went to school, they went to learn it. They, their degree is in that field. My degree is not that. My, I went to school mm -hmm. for medical illustration. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. not photography. Uh, so I had more of a hands-on learning experience versus going to a school and learning. Each each way is uh, you learn the best way that works for you. Some people being mm -hmm. it, going to a college and learning doesn't work for them. They need to be more hands-on, not sitting in a classroom learning stuff. Um, then going to like an Atlanta photography school, which everything is hands-on, is going to be more their element. So uh, you just got to find your element of how to learn and <clears> then <throat> taking that time and investing into it because if you think just pulling the equipment out and going and sh taking some pictures, you're going to get that shot that uh, Sports Illustrated or uh, a magazine covers. Like, I want that on my cover. Yeah, you you have to be very, very lucky <laughs> if it's your first yeah. time taking pictures and you, you manage to do something like that. <laughs> well, and, and I, you know, would you agree that when you do decide that you want to do this commercially, that you don't have the expectation that just because you have a camera means you're going to get a job. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, implicit in what you said was, yes, learn your craft. You have to learn your craft because if you don't learn your craft, then, you, then you're not really, I hate to say you're not really a photographer at that point. You're, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, you're taking pictures, but it's not, yeah. you know, it's a hobby, not you know, not not a not an employable skill at that point. Yeah. At least that's what mm -hmm. I think. Yes. Um and and I and you're very correct with that because uh a lot of people, like you said, they think an you know, a hobby can turn into that if you invest your time and effort into it. And like sure. you said, continue to grow and hone uh, just like in a regular job, some people become stagnant just because they think they know what they they know, and they stay in that element. And just how we were talking about film photography, a lot of people become stagnant and think, okay, I know everything. I don't need to do anything more. Well, technology and everything always evolves. And if you don't choose yeah, to evolve it with it and learn, continue to grow, you're not what you're going to become stagnant and become not even pliable into that field anymore because everything everyone else is using is nothing that you're currently aware of or even using or even have a knowledge base on. So you can't even adapt properly um, to adjust into that world because you haven't taken the time to. And that's just like in a corporate world or, or any other job. We know people that just They've been working in that job, and they're not changing. They're not taking any other training that's not required of them, and they're not doing anything else, and they're just fine. Well, you know, that those are the people that, you know, tend to, you know, stale out. And a lot of times a lot of people complain about those people because it's like, okay, they're not doing <clears throat> hardly anything. Well, because they chose not to grow, and mm -hmm, that's why mm – -hmm you know, you, you have more of a chance of being recognized and growing and moving within the company. And they, they don't want to go anywhere. They want to stay where they're at. And, and same with honing your craft. Um, you, it can stay as a hobby or you can hone it into a craft that can be a viable um, source. And 
as you mentioned, I've had people like, hey, why don't you, you know, why aren't you a photographer full time? I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I take some great pictures, but same time, it's not viable for me to have it as a full time job. I have to have enough clientele to justify, <laughs> to bring in the income to be, you know, to sustain myself. A lot of people think just because you take great pictures and you're at these cons that, oh my gosh, you can make a ton of money. Oh, trust me, we all wish we could, but that's not no how kidding. it works. <laughs> if it was just because I take great pictures or you like my pictures, I'll instantly get paid the money to just do it full time. I think a lot more people will be taking pictures and everything. But it's one of those that you, yeah, I have to work a full time job. I do this on the side because it is a passion of mine and I enjoy it. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you have, like you said, be realistic that it's going to take time for it to build into something that is a viable um, income and then you have to build up that enough business just like if you were a baker or if you were a you know a painter or things like that you can do all that and you know but you're not you can't do it as a full-time job because you wouldn't be able to sustain your life uh, so you have to work of another job while you build up enough clientele it takes some time getting the people that is willing to invest into support and buy your product or um hire you and have enough business to be sustainable then you yeah. can go into a full time and that's why you don't see a whole lot of people in those fields for a long time like photography or as an artist full time because it's something that you have to have the proper clientele to sustain you. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I I did like um, when I was just out of college, I was doing some fashion photography, which I liked because um, I, I did like being around scantily clad women. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> but... As much as I liked it, like you said, it was kind of more of a hobby because I was not, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't shooting for Vogue or, mm -hmm. you know, back then the dream job was, oh, yeah, I want to become a photographer and shoot for Playboy. I said, yeah, you and everybody else I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, it's, it, it's a learned craft as, like mm -hmm. anything else. And I think that these days, people figure just because you can get a camera that does everything, that that actually learning the artistic side of it is unimportant. Because I can I yeah. can take any pictures. I've got oh I went uh, I I got a lot of money and I went and got the camera that William wants. I bought it. That was mm -hmm. my first camera. And I'm going mm -hmm. wow. You know, first of all, lucky you that you could afford yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. But but second of all, you know, do you even know what all this works? No, I just put it on automatic, and it just takes the pictures for me. And and like you said, well, that that's fine for kind of a hobby, but what are you going to do when you're in low light? You know, mm -hmm. again, somebody put in there, I can work what Jarvis put in. I can work wonders with my old Canon T3i. So, yeah, no, you can, but unfortunately, you're probably not going to get hired, you know, you're not going to make a whole lot of money with that camera, Jarvis. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but, but, but I know he knows that. So 
people take a lot for granted, and I think that people are not very patient these days. I think people want to find a shortcut to everything. Um, yes. We only got about two minutes to go. And, and I, I think it's because of that mentality that a lot of what you and I would look for in quality photography has kind of been cheapened in a way mm-hmm. that that's a shame. You know, you see it as a, as a shame that this is what something that, I mean, photography is, first of all, it's, it's timeless and, it, and it's pretty much ageless. You know, mm-hmm. people are still taking the same kinds of pictures today that they were taking, you know, over 100 years ago. You know, yeah. look, look, at, look at like Ansel Adams. You know, yes, these are old weathered crevices and, and, you know, rocks and stuff like that. But still, people are still finding art and joy in, in the subject matter. So, yes. you know, even, even though photography is timeless and even though the, the equipment changes to make it easier to take pictures, you still have to have an eye. You still have to recognize what is going to be, you know, a, a, a compelling image for other people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we got, we got about a minute to go. Um, I, first, I, I want to thank you for being here. Um, you know, it, it was kind of cool when I saw that. I said, oh, my God, Dana's going to be on. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that you were able to give up a Friday night to hang out. So thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed your time here on the show. I so sure we'll, did. We'll do it again sometime. And, and again, you know, I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing you um, if I ever get invited back to uh, Dragon Con. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Um, (laughs) You know, um, (laughs) because it's it's really one of the only, the the two shows that are the two conventions I really want to go to. Um, I like going to Boston because um, they treat me very well, and I get to do a lot of things there, and, and it's an older convention and and I like I especially liked Dragon Con because you know when you talk about 80,000 people attending something there's something for everybody obviously and um, mm-hmm. it, it's it can be a party it is a party it's a party yes it's a party oh it definitely it, it really is, is. <laughs> yeah yeah Oh, oh, Jarvis is telling me fill my forms out now. Well, I haven't gotten any yet, so I'll, I'll go online and look for them. Um, so anyway, thanks for being here. I hope you had a good time. And, uh, you know, we'll probably have you back. And for p- people who are looking for, you know, where, where they can see your work, um, if they go onto Facebook and they look at, uh, what is it, uh, the D-A-N-I-Q-U-E-E-V-E-N-T-S on Facebook and also on, where else was it? On Instagram. That's where you can see oh, my Oh, Instagram, yeah. Yes, and if yeah. you want to follow my cosplay, my cosplay is under Danique of the uh, same D-A-N-I-Q-U-E cosplay. So Danique Cosplay on both Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can see my cosplay um, on Danique um, Cosplay and all my photography under Danique Events. Very cool. 
Well, thank you for being here. And and as far as I'm concerned, you're always going to be that hot woman with the sword. Um, okay. You know, you just got to take that. You know, that's just the way it's going to be for me. Um, okay. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to thank uh, thank uh, oh oh Jarvis even put the <laughs> he put he put up the link for me to fill out my stuff. All right, okay, <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, but then I better I bet well never mind. Um, hopefully, hey Jarvis, seriously while you're while you're listening, um, next week see if you can be here for about ten minutes at the end of the show. Um, so that you could give people an update on what's going on with the site, what's going on with uh, Earth Squadron, the uh, the uh, BSFS movie, um, and uh, yeah, just so that we could chat because we haven't chatted for a while. Um, Dana, thank you for being here on behalf of Jarvis, everyone who makes all of this happen. Um, I want to thank the people who listen live and check out the, the chat room. I want to thank the people who picked this up as a podcast. And uh, I will probably be here next week with another brand new guest. Might even have some news next week. Um, Dana, hang on for a minute after I end the show. And, uh, All right. Uh, we'll, we'll see if anybody has any last-second questions. And we do the after show just to lure people in. So um, yeah. anyway, I see a couple. I've here. been looking at the chat right now. Uh, I see someone mentioning <clears throat> about their terrible at photography. Everybody thinks they're terrible. I will honestly say, as a quick note, I always thought my work was terrible. I thought it was just something for myself, not anything that anyone be interested. So a lot of times we tend to be our worst critics. So having True. people give that fresh eyes and give that perspective outside of your immediate family and friends, because if you have someone outside your family and friends telling you that your stuff looks good, then you're the being overcritical yourself. And I had to learn myself that I was being too overly critical. And if my manager didn't tell me to shoot for, to shoot uh, photographing cons, because he he felt, he was like, your work is good enough to be uh, photographing a con. And because he knew and seen my stuff, he pushed me for doing that. So, you know, just get other people's opinion and continue <clears throat> shooting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Um, I, here's a, a corollary. You know, I coached tennis for years and years and years, you know, even though I, you know, even while I was playing. And when I'm coaching, you know, usually it was mostly high school and college kids. And I, I, I admit that I play, I play very well, but that's because I practice, practice, practice. So they would always ask me, how do you hit so well? How is it you make it look effortless? You know, you don't sweat, blah, blah, blah. How do you... You know, you're killing us. <clears throat> and I said, all right, come on, come on in, guys. I will tell you the secret of, of how to play tennis the way I play tennis, how to make it easy. And they all come in thinking they were going to get the secret, and they all lean in, and I go, all right, here's what it is. The secret to hitting the way I hit is hit a million balls. And then they, they'd be disappointed, like, well, well, that's no secret, and it's the same thing for photography. Take a million pictures mm -hmm. with digital yes. photography. It's easy, and it doesn't cost <laughs> you anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, be glad you're not in the film days. So, anyway, <laughs> thank you for being here. I appreciate it. And uh, hold on while I close out the show, and we'll just chat briefly, okay? Everybody All right, else good. Who are listening live, thank good you night. for tuning Thanks in. For being here.
Yeah, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll be, I will be back next weekend. All right? Good night. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.